mention it every week. I'll mention it again quickly. We would love to hear from you. Any feedback uh, to make this a better, more meaningful report. There's our contact info. So let's uh, let's get into it here. I, I think the overriding message today in the grains and oil seed complex is what I mentioned last week. It's like kind of all needles are pointing down. All needles are pointing bearish. And it's, it's kind of more in the same. Uh, weather continues to be okay in South America. Argentina has been a bit dry, uh, but it looks like there's rain in the forecast. Paige will talk about that here uh, in just a little bit. Um, we're going to talk about the U.S. dollar, as you can see here. Strong dollar equals cheaper commodity prices. Generally, it's an inverse relationship. And I think with the recent Fed activity and comments, and especially that jobs report, um, probably not going to be cutting interest rates anytime soon. And that's strong for the, that's uh, supported to the dollar. And so we got a strong dollar. Uh, when it comes to soybean oil, we kind of found some of that oil that we lost. Um, you recall prior conversations. Um, we had the largest drawdown of soybean oil stocks in U.S. history between April and September of last year. Then to make matters worse, as I'll show you, we actually didn't build stocks. We pulled them down again in October. Oh, my God. Well, some of those oil stocks are finding their way back into uh, back into the tanks of crusher refiners here. We got our USDA uh, uh, crush report at the uh, end of the month, beginning of this month, whenever it was. Uh, and found some of that oil back. So not all of it. I'll show you. We're still a heck of a lot lower than we were this time last year. But relative to what the market was thinking, that's kind of where we're at. So let's just keep moving here. Uh, Scott or Jay, you want to kind of walk us through that cattle report and kind of maybe what that meant? It means our stakes are going to be more expensive. That's all I got out of it. Yeah, Dave, I would agree on that uh no real surprises on the cattle report i think it confirmed more than anything else for the dairy complex we're not retaining heifers so there's probably very little um opportunity to grow the dairy herd uh going forward we'll talk about that once we get into the dairy section but really no big surprises as you said um beef prices are going to stay high and probably be that way for quite a while, 24, 25, probably going in in 2026. Well, that is unfortunate. Uh, as far as the Fed meeting goes, it's it's interesting. It, it, it never ceases to amaze me. Uh, you listen to, you read the report, you listen to Chairman Powell's comments afterwards, and then that afternoon and the next morning in your wires, your daily wires, you start to get interpretations from the market as to what it meant. Uh, and, you know, I did it was a good boy, read the read the comments, listened to the uh, 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 the press conference. Uh, and, you know, he was pretty clear about not being clear. He was pretty clear about not hey, real it's sure gonna, yeah. it's going to be data driven and we'll see what comes down the road. The next morning I get the uh, one of the wires that I read. It says three. The trade is figured out based on what Paul said, some of how they, they decoded that to be three rate cuts, three 25 point rate cuts this year. So I don't know what they were listening to that I missed, but uh, it's always interesting to see those interpretations. And the other thing was, I think the futures, the Fed fund futures now saying that there's almost zero chance that uh, we cut in March and probably also very low chance that we cut in May. So yeah, and you know, Bill's kind of been saying all along, if, the first one's probably not come until second quarter and maybe yeah. deep second quarter. So 
uh, maybe he's kind of been on to some. We had that really strong jobs report last week that uh, really went the other way. I mean, the prior reports, we've been surprisingly good jobs reports, but they revised the prior two months lower. This one, we had a surprisingly good jobs report, and they revised the December number up a bunch, too. So I don't know what to make of all that. It's uh, a little hard to understand the trend there because there isn't one. But at uh, any rate, upcoming reports. So uh, we got the WASD next week. Not going to spend a whole lot of time on that. We'll show or this week, yeah, the eighth, two days. Um, we'll show you the average trade estimates, but we're not going to spend a whole lot of time on it. It typically doesn't mean much. Also, next week, Thursday, Friday, we have the, uh, the USDA Outlook Conference, and everybody likes to talk about it. It will be a topic. Uh, we will certainly cover what they tell us two weeks from now, but uh, the trade kind of sees that as the USDA's first, I don't want to call it official, semi-official acreage mix. That seems to be the numbers that the eyes gravitate to first. So certainly not as important on an acreage mix in the U.S. for spring planting as the uh, end of March planting intentions report where they survey farmers and look into their crystal ball and get their magic eight ball. But uh, the market will look at it. The market will talk it, talk about it. So we will certainly fill you in uh, in a couple of weeks when we get that data. So here is what the market is expecting for the February WASD and the executive summary version is not much. If you look at the top section there, that's the uh, ending stocks for this crop cycle. You can see the trades not looking for, you know, pretty much minor adjustments. Uh, I would argue that, you know, 15 or 20 million bushels of corn is no adjustment. Uh, 4 million bushels of beans, we're, we're talking about rounding errors, no changes at all in the wheat side. So. Um, USDA will mess with, likely mess with uh, South American production. The trade is roundly expecting them to take uh, the, soy, the soybean production estimate in Argentina up and Brazil down. But those are numbers that historically don't matter because even if it's a big miss, the market will immediately dismiss it as the USDA trailing the play with South American production as they always do. So. Um, I don't know that that means a heck of a lot either. And of course, the market will watch in the bottom there, uh, world grain ending stocks, but doesn't look like we're looking for a whole lot of changes on that one either. So, uh, you know, I don't know that uh, probably going to spend a whole lot more time on it than that. And we will just see what the USDA says uh, on Thursday. Here's the dollar. The green line is the dollar. And you can see since that Fed meeting, uh, the Fed meeting and or the jobs report, uh, the U.S. dollar has taken flight again. We're at levels that we haven't been at since, oh, looking back on their last fall, it looks like. Yep, November. Um, you got a chart overlying with the black line there, soybean oil, but uh, really you could put in wheat or you could put in corn or you can put in beans or, you know, pick your commodity. Uh, and the chart largely, that black line would look largely the same. And I don't think that our message today is not that, Commodity prices are going down mostly because the dollar is going up. I would call this a contributing factor. I think certainly a bigger factor has been kind of South American weather and, and really some of the other things that we've talked about or we'll talk about in a minute. But uh, I don't think you can dismiss this uh, completely. So here's your December crush report. And the chart that you're looking at is soybean oil stocks. And so if you look at this color here, uh, this this green color here, that was last year. 
And this is that record decline, this extraordinarily steep decline in soybean oil stocks from really a pretty nice number that we had back in April a year ago. So that was the concern. And then, oh, my God, we drew stocks down again in October when we normally elevate stocks. That was also in the face of a record October crush. Oh, my God, we built stocks a little bit in November where you better build stocks, but we didn't build them very much. That is the picture of soybean oil concern. OK, the trade was looking for the soybean oil stocks to come in right in here somewhere. And we had a pretty good stocks build in December. Um, what the hell happened? Well, hard to say we've been trying to figure out what the heck's going on with some of these highly variable stocks numbers that we've seen over the course of the last two years. But I, I think that maybe a reasonable explanation of this is that you had two big renewable diesel plants out in California trying to fill the tanks, even though the market was a little bit inverted, good bit inverted. They were trying to fill the tanks because those are huge plants that have gigantic feedstock needs. And so they were willing to put oil in the tanks. And of course, the U.S. crusher refiners uh, didn't necessarily want to carry it themselves to an inverted market. So I think we relocated those stocks. Uh, and now that the market's got carries in it, uh, maybe going back to a little bit more of a normal type situation, whatever the hell that ends up being. So what we find out in the crush report, well, another month of record crush. I don't know that that's a big surprise. We have all these new crush plants running. You can see that top bullet on the right. Not quite as big as the trade was expecting, but still a big, big number. Um, Year-to-date crush is up 40 million bushels from last year. And it wouldn't surprise me on Thursday. I just talked about the WASDE. Wouldn't surprise me if we see the USDA start to bump their crush up. Uh, however, they'll probably take their exports down. Soybean exports have been pretty disappointing. So I don't know that the trade's looking for them to change the bottom line at all. But USDA's crush looks a bit low. And just to be clear, you're talking about the beginning of the marketing year for those that are yes, out there following yeah, along. Point. Yeah, that is the, the year to date. Yeah, marketing year, which starts for beans at the beginning of September. So good, good call out. Uh, at any rate, I guess that's probably enough about that. We will keep moving here. Uh, the corn market continues to grind lower. Um, you remember last week I'd had uh, the third cross that out fourth week new lows cross that out fifth week i think this is the sixth week obviously but we continue to have these markets just really grind lower largely because i think we talked about the dollar but i think the big reason is the uh uh the wet the weather uh down in south america that Paige is going to talk about here uh in just a little bit scott what's going on in the wheat market it's kind of the same um you, you were talking about all needles pointing lower and that's still the case by barely, you know, you see Chicago was down one penny last week, wow. Friday over Friday. But the specs are still short, maybe not as short as they once were. Um, you see international prices, uh, again, still led by the Black Sea. Um, speaking of the Black Sea, uh, Russia is going to be meeting with uh, Erdogan from Turkey. That's next week. Um, reportedly, they're, they're going to talk about a lot of different things, but reportedly one of the things they're going to be talking about is how to formalize uh, ways to, uh, to get Ukraine's grain to market or ability for them to export their grains through the Black Sea. Um, some people read that to think, oh, gosh, we're going to get a new Black Sea grain initiative. I doubt it. Well, why does that matter? I mean, Ukraine I don't, is exporting 
more green than they were arguably under the Black Sea Green Initiative. You know, it matters because we've we've joked in the past about how these, you know, these these reporters at Reuters and other places, they have to, you know, give me three paragraphs yeah. on whatever. And there's nothing required by law to talk about. It, right. There's nothing saying. else to talk about. So I, I don't I don't see that as being a big deal unless something really escalates uh, in that conflict. Um, those stocks are getting the market from from both Russia, obviously, as well as Ukraine. Um, it's a bit less freight for the Ukrainian export market to get it to their regular ports and out through a Black Sea Grain initiative than shipping it all the way to Romania and down the Danube and the other channels. So it, it's a more efficient way, but... Um, Maybe the only thing that could be um, uh, changed on that would be to, to, well, you see where their FOB prices are at. Uh, could there be some way that they could affect the cost of insurance of that freight going going that way? Don't know. Um, but that would be the, in my mind, that would be the, the quickest and easiest way to affect what's going on over there. Um, here in the States, I would say our winter wheat conditions continue to be good. We've had great, um, good to great weekend rains across most of the entire hard red winter wheat area, but, uh, big, but, um, uh, you know, having 50, 60 degree temperatures in early February, uh, isn't maybe the best. It now puts all that, uh, a lot of that winter wheat at um, exposure or vulnerability of uh, winter kill. Um, a lot of that wheat, certainly down in, in Texas, Oklahoma, southern Kansas, it's out of dormancy. And so it's, uh, it's susceptible to uh, getting nipped. Yeah, not a lot of bad cold weather on the forecast maps that Paige is going to talk about, but you know, uh, I think your meme on the second slide was, you know, this is a, what does Paige call it? Fool's summer or fool's spring. spring. Fool's spring. Uh, yeah, we're uh, likely to get some more cold weather. So we'll see if that turns into a story or not. Um, I'm pretty sure we're required to talk about winter kill at least once or twice more before spring. But anyway, thank you for that, Scott. Soy complex, all needles point down except soybean meal actually found it splitting a little bit last week. Uh, seems like we stuck our head below 350 bucks and thought, I don't think that's too cheap, but I think maybe maybe too early to be that cheap. I still think we got a good bit of downside, but learned a long time ago, even the worst markets don't go straight down and soybean meal had been going straight down for quite a while. So a little bit of a rebound there, but I don't think uh, we're really going anywhere. What's going on with soybeans? Same thing that's been going on with soybeans. Uh, exports remain soft. Um, Read that as uh, means we're getting strong competition from South America with the Brazilian harvest underway. And uh, certainly with just getting into the front end of harvest, that's going to get better before it gets worse. So like I mentioned, it wouldn't surprise me if we see some adjustments on the USDA WASD. Maybe we don't adjust the ending stocks, but I think probably crush up exports down uh, is, is certainly, I think they're due for that, if not uh, arguably maybe a little bit overdue. So Probably enough on that. When you look at the veg oil markets, you know, we've talked about palm oil. One of the things that I wanted to call out here, though, we talked about how expensive palm oil was a week ago rather relative to South American bean oil. South American bean oil was about $850 for April ship a week ago. So this is the other thing that's kind of laying on soybean oil prices here in the States just a little bit is that we've got soybean oil getting cheaper 
really world veg oil getting cheaper everywhere. Palm oil lost $40 a ton last week. And you could argue that it's not a hell of a lot more competitive than it was a week ago against Argentine bean oil. So you really have markets, the rest of the world are also leaning on our markets. Now, not a huge impact on our markets because our markets are, you know, way the hell more expensive than this anyway, better than 10 cents a pound. But uh, this is also not, uh, certainly is not supportive, uh, certainly not supportive to uh, to U.S. prices. Uh, and that brings us to the dairy complex. Jay, what's going on here uh, in this market? Uh, well, as we talked about just a couple of minutes ago, we talked about that cattle report. That's a good piece of supply type information. It looks like we're shaping up uh, for a smaller dairy herd. Uh, again, the old rule of thumb for milk production is if we get milk production above 1%, that usually is an indication that the herd is expanding. We're going to get more, more milk. If it's less than 1%, it, it indicates that the milk supply is going to shrink. And right now, USDA is forecasting a shrinking milk supply. So it's going to be kind of a broken record going forward talking about milk supply. Um, the big concern and the big question mark right now in the trade is what is its demand going to look like? Again, um, we're going to be watching demand and what are the numbers we're focused in on for demand. It's really about exports and it's really about stocks. So as I go kind of through the complex here in milk and cheese and butter, I'm really focusing in on stocks and really focusing in on exports <laughs> and what those are doing. Because that's going to give us a good indication of demand. Um, going down to milk, milk right now is trading above class. Uh, last week we were flat to class and uh, the five-year average is usually about a discount to class, about $2 a hundred weight on that. Uh, cheese uh, numbers popped up last week. Some reports of export business being booked last week. Um, buck and a half cheese is probably too cheap. Dollar A cheese where we're at right now is probably too expensive. When the market did pop up, um, the international price for cheese in Europe actually went down. So um, maybe a, a more balanced approach for cheese is probably around $1.70, $1.75, somewhere in that market right now. But we'll continue to watch that. On the butter side, butter raced up to 280 last week, um, which kind of took people by surprise. But butter is really the talk of the trade right now in the complex because Nobody can seem to get their hands around it. Um, I would uh, imagine right now a lot of budgets are broken for butter and it's only Feb 6. Um, so you have a lot of buyers chasing this market and pushing this market uh, higher. But I, I, I can't really um, fault them at all. Uh, when you, If you're in the butter complex and booking butter and buying butter, it's been a challenge for the last couple of years. So again, I think we'll continue to watch this. Again, the stocks for butter are going to be very important going forward. Um, this is normally the time that we build stocks, as we mentioned last week. Uh, the cold storage report that came out, we were actually declining butter stocks from November to December when we usually increase those. That's usually the start of the seasonal build. So we'll be watching those numbers very closely going forward to see if we get the build in stocks in butter like we normally do. Again, the theme going forward is really about shrinking milk supply over the potential for increasing demand. Butter has broken a lot of hearts in the last couple of years, hasn't it? 
broken. It's given me, uh, well, butter's given me more gray hair than I already have. Um, it's just, it's just been really, really hard. And, it, and honestly, it's rippled through the dairy complex. We don't talk about whey. We don't talk about nonfat on this uh, call, but every it's, it moved. There's a lot of consensus saying, well, butter's dragging everything higher, which doesn't really make sense. But it's more of a psychological barrier than anything else, Dave. It's just that you know how markets are. It doesn't need to be rational. It's just that kind yeah. of mentality going forward, and that's what we're seeing in dairy right now. Yep. You refer to commodity traders rule number eight. Market can remain irrational longer than you can remain solvent. So, yep. all right, Jay. Well, thank you so much for that. And uh, uh, as always, we have kind of saved the best for last year. Paige, what is going on with the weather? Yeah, so I know we kind of mentioned earlier, it's probably a little bit too early to be really talking about um, U.S. weather, but we put these drought monitor maps in um, the deck this week, and I just wanted to touch on them here. So you can see based on the different crops, we've got winter wheat, soybeans, corn, and spring wheat. Um, this is kind of an overlay of where those crops are grown. That's the green, right? Yep. Yep, that's the green parts. And then the red parts are areas that are in drought. So that kind of shows um, parts of the U.S. that are still in drought conditions um, and how they're impacting those crops that are grown in those areas. The main takeaway um, that I wanted to point out on these maps is these have gotten significantly better um, than certainly a year ago. And really, I think it's kind of been um, a lot of this winter that's helped. We haven't been overly cold, so the ground hasn't been as frozen, and we've gotten um, some rain and snow, and we keep calling it fool's spring. I'm not convinced we're fools at this point, because if you keep looking at the forecast, it looks like the weather is going to continue yeah. to stay warm. But It does get closer to normal next week. You want to bet? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah we're I don't want to bet, again. because... It's, there's a reason it's called fool spring is because we fool ourselves every time. But, you know, you know, uh, let me jump in real quick. Um, and what we probably need to do, and Dave and I talked about this, is maybe give uh, just the straight drought monitor next week, mm -hmm. the way it looks today versus last week. Last year, yeah. Yeah. A case in point, Nebraska doesn't yeah. have any red on it at all anymore. You can still see there on, on all four of these. Where the, where the drought's at, we still here in eastern Nebraska have at least some kind of drought, but none of it is what we would call severe. extreme or severe. Yeah, yeah right. I said that on KFAB last week. I was a little bit surprised. For the first time in two years, something like that, uh, we don't have any parts of Nebraska that are in what the, uh, the USDA or NOAA would consider severe drought. So, yeah, things are certainly trending better. Yeah, so things are kind of looking up the closer we inch towards planting. Again, it's the beginning of February, so still lots of runway between now and then. But kind of the key takeaway there is things are getting better. So um, hopefully they yeah, can was it, What was that winter that wheat uh, area and drought? I looked at that uh, a week ago from a year back, and it was in the upper 50s. 59. 53 weeks ago, yeah. So that uh, that is way better. Mm -hmm. Um, and then as far as South America goes, if you want to flip to that past seven-day precipitation map, 
Um, this is honestly the least amount of rain that we've seen on this map when we pull it for the deck um, in a while. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, we're seeing a lot more um, or not quite as heavy rains the last few weeks. It seems like there have been huge kind of those red and orange pockets of those really heavy rains. Um, those seem to have kind of moved out this week or this past week. Um, things look a little bit lighter, a little bit more scattered. And those that kind of band of heavier rains looks like it's staying a little bit further north than we maybe would care to. Looks like some of it kind of inched down into central Brazil. Um but kind of the big story this week is southern Brazil has kind of dried out again. Um, and really, Argentina really hasn't had any rain in the past week. <clears throat> and it, Yeah, the past couple weeks. And temperatures are kind of skyrocketing there. I think the last week it was over 100 for uh, multiple days in a row. If you remember, though, they've been getting good rains um, kind of pretty well throughout their entire season it's just kind of shut off here recently so not something to be overly worried about especially when you if you want to flip to the forecasts because it looks like they should be getting some rain the next two weeks <clears throat> the concern here um is if those rains kind of don't come to fruition we might have a bit of an issue in argentina again they've gotten good rains kind of throughout the season but if it turns off dry and these hot temperatures continue, <clears throat> excuse me, that could kind of negatively impact a lot of these crops. The good news is it looks like um, heavier rains are coming in for Brazil over the next two weeks. So everything, I think, I don't think Cordonier lowered any of his estimates this week. He kind of has keeping his eye on those Argentina numbers, though, in case these rains kind of don't come to fruition. But Everything's kind of holding steady at this point in South America. Yeah, I guess the message in Argentina is a, is a couple weeks of dry weather with the rains that they've had over the last two months is not a big deal. If that turns into three or four weeks at this very critical time, they've got a lot of their crop is in uh, uh, entering that reproductive phase. So um, potential story, but if this uh, the color that's on these map hits the ground, we ought to be okay. So. Well, thank you very much, Paige. And that is what we have for you this week. Um, there is our contact info, our emails. Again, we would love to hear from you if there's any way that we could make this for a, a better call for you. And as always, be careful out there.